First word, torches. Second word, talents. Third word, takeaways. Torches, talents, and takeaways that I'm going to give you today that I want you to walk through. I want you to pay attention to it. Um, some of you are very familiar with this way that Jesus taught. But Jesus, so many times through Scripture, especially in the Gospels, uh, specifically like through Matthew, he taught through parables often. Not always, but often. Um, and, and there's unique things that come with parables. He taught in parables because, well, he knew us. And if we've got something that we can cling to that is maybe a little unusual, a little bizarre, sometimes funny, sometimes uh, stunning, sometimes just things that just affect us in our heart and like you can't unhear it. That's what a parable is. And so a parable is a picture of a story that Jesus desires for us to understand. You got it? Okay. Uh, and, and you do have to pay attention to where he's teaching, who he's teaching, what it's about, who he's talking to, how it connects with the rest of Scripture. Or you can take some of these and run way off a cliff with them and completely miss what he was talking about. I don't want you to do that today. So I'm going to run through two of those from Matthew chapter 25. This is the last of our um, series in uh, living life with the end in sight. And this one is about really being prepared and being ready. Now, what do I mean by being prepared and being ready as we dig into these uh, two parables today? Being ready is v quite different from being prepared. Being ready, really, in my book, and if you've been around me long at all, you know this. It's rule number one. That's what being ready is. Rule number one is knowing Jesus Christ. It's a personal relationship with the one and only who can cause you to be born again. That is rule number one. If you've got that one together, all the rest of it will be okay if you've got that one together. Now, being prepared. Being prepared is what we're going to talk about in the first parable today because some were prepared and some weren't ready to meet the king. That really does matter, which means they weren't ready to meet. The second parable is about what we do in, a, after we've been given things, are we prepared to use those? So let's begin with the idea of the torch. Now you're going to have to read this with understanding as we follow through it, but we're in Matthew chapter 25, we'll, beginning, we'll be beginning in verse 1, and uh, let's walk through this together. Jesus gives us this parable. Uh, he's uh, still talking with his disciples. He's uh, still in the Olivet Discourse, which means that he is, he is on the Mount of Olives looking over uh, the, the, the kingdom and, and looking over the temple. And he's explaining this to them. And now he's trying to break it down so they can understand it really easily. Verse 1, chapter 25. At that time, the kingdom of heaven will be like ten virgins who took their lamps, which was a torch. Okay, that's where that comes from. Took their lamps, which was like a torch of some type, and went out to meet the groom. So you've got a wedding theme going on here. Five of them were foolish, five were wise. When the foolish took their lamps, they didn't take oil with them. 
Okay, so get that. The foolish didn't take the oil with them. But the wise ones took oil in their flask, which was a little holding container, um, probably leather-like, with their lamps. And the groom was delayed. Now, you remember what Jesus has been talking about this whole time? That the Son of Man was coming again. Okay, so this time he's saying, he's coming, yeah, but according to their schedule, he was delayed. And they all became drowsy and fell asleep. So all ten became drowsy and fell asleep. And then in verse 6, in the middle of the night, there was a shout. Here's the groom. Come and meet him. And then all the virgins got up. And they trimmed their lamps. And the foolish ones said to the wise ones, Give us some of your oil because we are out. And the wise ones answered, No, there won't be enough for us and for you. Go instead to those who sell oil and buy some for yourselves. And when they had gone to buy some, the groom arrived, and those who were ready went with him to the wedding banquet, and the doors were shut. And later, the rest of the virgins also came to the master, came and said, Master, Master, open up for us. And then he replied, not easy words to hear, but listen. Truly, I tell you, I don't know you. Let that sink in for just a second. He says, therefore, be on alert because you don't know either the day or the hour. Now, what does this mean? So the ten virgins. Uh, the most easy thing for us to understand this would be like bridesmaids. They were all with the bride. What was the tradition of the bride and groom in the day and the time when Jesus was physically here? So first century Israel, what was the tradition of, of, the, of the wedding? First century wedding really had two parts. The first was this. This is what happened first. The bridegroom and his friends. So the groom and his friends or, or, or his uh, groomsmen would go from his house to claim the bride from her parents. Literally went to her house, Okay. Dowries were often involved with this. And then the bride and the groom would return to the groom's house for the marriage feast and the banquet. Okay, so big deal through the streets, everybody together. It was a big deal. So a couple of key things in here that I see in verse 4. It says they all became drowsy and fell asleep. They all, all ten became drowsy and fell asleep. So being asleep is not a bad thing. Being asleep was a real thing that happens to all of us, at least it needs to, some period of time every 24 hours that needs to happen. But it's a reminder that we will not know when he's coming, and it could happen when we're asleep. So guess what we need to do before we go to sleep? Prepare. You got it. Because if you're not prepared, guess what's going to happen to your torch? And it's going to get dark. It's bigger than that, though, here. They were all just going through life in a normal way. But five of them had been attentive to the big event that was coming, and they were ready, and they were prepared. So Jesus says that there were those that were wise. The wise see, and they know, and they prep for, for what, for who is coming. They're ready for it. The foolish would never be ready. The foolish would not do what was necessary to be ready. One other detail here that I see. They all heard him coming. 
they all heard the shout in the streets and they all knew the drill and so they trimmed their wicks back why did they trim their wicks back because if you trim that off then it lights quickly but if you leave that hard oily end on the end of it man you can stick that fire to it all day long and it will not light so they were trimming their whip back wick back and uh it all looks the same. They're all doing the same thing. They act the same until the foolish realize that, ooh, we forgot oil. And guess what happens? At least it used to happen around here. You couldn't even go get gas at night. Now it's 24 hours a day. At that time, it's, they're just waking up. Are they even up so they can go buy oil? And they say, help us out. Those of you who prepared, can you, can you, do, us a, can you do us a favor? That fuel... And this picture given to us from Jesus comes from the Father. It only comes from Him. For those ready and prepared, their burning lamps were their, if you will, their ticket into the banquet. A burning lamp was what had to be seen for you to enter into the banquet. And it had to be timely. Okay, that does not mean in order to get into heaven you have to have a flaming fire on your arm to go in that's not what it's talking about but it is it does mean you have to have that fuel what is that fuel symbolically it said that they are ready because the others were not ready so the ones who were ready could go on in and once all the invited guests were in the banquet no one else could enter. There were no late arrivals. There were no, oh, I finally got oil. Oh, yeah, you're two days late. The wedding's already over. Well, I, I got a little bit more. You see what I'm saying? Once it's over, it's over. And that's what Jesus is telling uh, the disciples to know at this time. Verse 11 is a tough one. Master, Master, open up for us. And his replies, I don't know you. As you notice, and I'm reading from the um, Holman Christian Standard this morning. Uh, it's, it's an exclamation. It's not just, I don't know you. It's, I don't know you. It's like a heart pain, but I don't know you. In verse 13, he says, be alert. You don't know the hour or day. This literally me doesn't this doesn't literally mean to stay awake but it does mean don't lose sight of what's coming it doesn't mean don't live your life it doesn't mean don't live but it does mean be alert it does mean pay attention it does mean don't lose sight of what's coming it does mean to be prepared and the key is this and it sounds silly for us today but what jesus is telling me get off for your lamp today Get your torch ready today. Don't wait. To, in other words, Jesus said today is the day of salvation. Today, not tomorrow, not some other time. The point is this. The bride, God's church, has known about his, his coming, the return of Jesus, for almost 2,000 years now. And for us, it seems like it's been a long, long, and it has been a long, long time. For us, it's been our whole life. But it's also been millennia at this point. And here's what happens. We lose interest. We get busy. We get distracted. We get other things that catch our attention and hold our attention better than, than the return of Christ. How could that happen? But it does. Every single day, we lose interest. We get busy. We forget about what's coming. We don't wake up in the morning and think that, okay, this could be the day. I mean, this could be the day. 
I mean, literally one day I could be teaching, preaching a sermon, and it'd just be gone. You know, Glenn could be up here playing and leading, and it'd just be gone. You could be just working and gone or sleeping, gone. That means you've got to be ready now because it's going to happen. So what happens is that we just stop talking about it. We stop living like the greatest moment of history that could ever come is just right here. And the other thing that happens in this is that our testimony, our witness ceases to be part of our lives because we've forgotten what's coming. We've forgotten that there are people who don't have oil for their lamps. They don't have the Holy Spirit of God. Some had oil for their lamps. They were ready to go. Others were lazy or distracted or forgotten or they just weren't ready. And the reality is that some of the bridesmaids were ready and some were not. Not every person who claims master, who claims to know Jesus, knows Jesus. I think about it like this. Words don't equal a lit lamp. Words that we say don't equal a lit lamp. It's like living in the South. Very few people would say, I don't believe in Jesus. But it's words. It's not real life for them. It's not what's gone on. It's not being born again. It's just it's what we do. If you if pressed, so many would say, I am a Christian, but they've never trusted Christ. In other words, that lamp won't light. There's no fire in their lantern. And that's number two on your outline. Repeated words or playing the game will never lead to an open door at the banquet. Words are playing the game, just looking like everyone else. And my question for you is this, is there fire in your lantern? Because I'm just telling you, our fire won't burn with that oil. Our lives won't be lit. You won't be see the, the fire of God coming through us, the, the very presence of the Holy Spirit in our lives without the oil of the Spirit in us. And I know that's symbolic about the presence of the Lord in those lives, but, but it is clearly, it's, it's, it's the Holy Spirit, it's the Word of God in our lives that is active and moving and, and changing us. Either way, that's where the light comes from. And that gets us through our first parable. That's the torch. And my question is, do you have oil in your lantern? Jesus gives us another one, and he talks about the talents this time. So he's talked about the torch, now he talks about the talents. And the question is this, are you, are you telling others, are, is your life an explanation? Does your life, does your life reveal what's going on in your life? Is it not just, it's not just a ticket for you to get into heaven, but is it something that it's, that that ticket's so good that you've got to duplicate it and share it and give it away. Here's what it looks like in verse 14. Jesus goes on, For it is just like a man, for it is just like a man about to go on a journey. He called his own servants and he entrusted his possessions to them. Please hear that. He entrusted his possessions to them. To one, he gave five talents, to another, two talents, to another, one talent, depending on each one's ability. And then he went on a journey. Immediately, the man who had received five talents went, he put them to work, and he earned five more. And in the same way, the man with two earned two more. But the man who had received one talent went off, and he dug a hole in the ground, 
and he hid his master's money. Talents. We know what the torch is. What's the talent? They were all given different amounts. Why were they all given different amounts? Here's the reality. God knows what we're going to do with them. He knows we're going to be either good stewards of them or he just hopes we use them. That's, what, that's, that's where it is on this. A talent represents a real-life opportunity to use the abilities that God has gifted us with. It's, it's a real-life potential that God wants to make public in your life. It's a real-life potential there. Another unique thing about a talent, in this case, clearly, it belongs to someone else. It belongs to the master who went on the journey. It's not ours. It's his. He loaned it to us. You are given responsibility to do what is best for someone else. Now, hear me. In order to do this here, you've got to have a lit torch. A lit torch leads to a used talent. That's what has to happen in our lives. You've heard people say that it's, and it's a, it's a popular thing on radio, talent on loan from God. Well, literally, that's what this is. This is the way that God has created you. It's unique abilities, gifts, purposes that he's given you. And it's something that he intends for us to use. But it's on loan from him. It's not ours. It's not to make us look good. It's not for our glory. It's to make a difference for his kingdom, to take care of people, to look out for people, to share the gospel with people, to make a difference in the kingdom. So it is on loan from him. But it is clearly for his glory. So we take our torch, use the talents he's given for his glory. That's what this is. That's number three on your outline. It's our privilege to use the gifts or the gift God has entrusted us with. It's a privilege. And he makes that so clear. Here's how I can tell this. Verse 16, the one given the most immediately put his gift to work. Immediately. He knew exactly what to do with it. This is not mine. I've got to make something of this. I've got to make it. I've got to, I've got to multiply it. I've got to use it for the kingdom, and I've got to do it right now. The one that was given two talents did exactly the same thing. He went off. He immediately used what God had given him for God's glory. He multiplied it. You'll see what happens in a second. Now, notice that the multiplying of the talents wasn't to pad their own pockets, but to benefit the master. It wasn't so their wallets would get thicker or they'd get a bigger house. It was for the purpose of the kingdom. It, was for the, it, wasn't so, it wasn't for a greater retirement plan. It was for the greatest retirement plan. The only one that ultimately matters. All the rest of them, I don't know if you've been watching the stock market, but it can get pretty bad, pretty sad, pretty fast. You can't depend on that one. But the one where you've got a torch that's lit because you're ready to meet Jesus and go to the festival the banquet that's a retirement you don't want to miss because of their good stewardship they were rewarded with greater responsibility and some of you just heard that and said okay so if i if i do this and i do this right for him he's gonna give me more to do yes he is he's gonna give you more he's gonna he's gonna bless it more so that you can make a bigger difference because your heart's for him it's not for you it's something you desire to do. Now, verse 18. The one <clears throat> given just one talent dug a hole and buried it. Now, let's see how all this comes out. Verse 19. After a long time, the master of those servants came and he settled accounts with them. And the man who had received five talents approached 
uh, presented five more talents and said, Master, you gave me five talents. See, I have earned you more, five more talents. And his master said to him, well done, good and faithful servant. You were faithful over a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Share your master's joy. You made the master happy. Enjoy it. Enjoy it. Enjoy it. And the woman, two talents, also approached him. He said, Master, you gave me two talents, so I've earned two more. And his master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You were faithful over a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Share your master's joy. I just think about different ways that I've watched people use what the Lord has given them in gifts. And I'm not... It could be money in sometimes some ways. It could be uh, more specifically a, a, a gift or an ability that he has given us. And then God multiplies that and the joy keeps increasing and God keeps using them in greater and greater ways. But here's what I see. For the two that use what the master had given him to produce more, well done, I'll give you more. To take care of because clearly you're good at it clearly your torch is lit clearly you are passionate about what is mine that matters for the kingdom and then verse 24 he says the man who received one talent also approached and said uh, master i know you and notice what he said there master i know you you are a harsh man, reaping where you haven't sown and gathering where you haven't scattered. So I was, look what it says, I was afraid, and I went off and I hid your talent in the ground. See, you have what is yours. You gave me one talent, here it is back. I didn't lose it. Isn't that good? Isn't that good? I didn't lose it. You're excited for me, right? Let's see how excited he was. You evil, lazy servant. If you knew what I reap, if you knew that I reap where I haven't sown and gather where I haven't scattered, then you should have deposited my money with the bankers and I would have received money back with interest when returned. Some translations say, at least I would have received a little interest for it. That's almost funny today. You could lot point zero one percent. I mean, look at what he could have gotten back. At least it was something if he had not just buried it. Verse 28, so take the talent from him. Did you see that? Take the talent from him. Take what I have given from him and give it to the one who has 10 talents for to everyone who has more will be given and he will have more than enough but from the one who does not have even what he has will be taken away from him and throw this good for nothing servant into the outer darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth and we dealt with that last week yuck so let's wrap this up the one that was given just one talent here's why this matters so much he knew how his master worked but he was afraid he knew how his master worked he was afraid of losing he was afraid of messing up that's a lot of us in this room we don't do things i literally was sitting with someone uh, a couple of weeks ago a friend of mine and as we were talking 
We were talking about using the gifts that God's given us. And he said, you know what? I realize I've never even shared the gospel of Jesus Christ with anyone. And look at my age. I've never told my story. I've never, I've never, I've got a talent, but I never used it. My talent was knowing what Jesus has done in my life, but I've never given it away. I was afraid of losing. I was afraid of messing it up. I was afraid of breaking a relationship. I was afraid of doing something. I was afraid of failing. And the responsibility basically made him freeze with anxiety, if you will. His thought, if I can just protect it, at least I can protect what I've been entrusted with, then I'll be good. And what I see from Jesus here is use it or lose it. Use it. Or look, but, but God, I'm afraid. But God, I might mess it up. But God. And his reminder, I think if you put these two parables together, I think you will realize, but you've got my oil in you. I'm the one that makes you burn bright like a light so that others can see the Christ. I am the one. Some of us just got a question answered by Jesus that we weren't expecting. Why am the Lord using me? I don't even have to answer that, right? Why is the Lord not using me? It's either one, because you don't know him, or two, because you know him and you're refusing to use what he's given you. That's us. Maybe you've, maybe it's just time to listen and hear him because you've still got breath in your lungs. Because the door to the banquet hasn't closed yet. You've still got a chance to use what he's given you. Jesus, in Jesus, there's grace. So let me answer one more question for you right here before we walk on and finish this up. Do one talented people matter? I mean, clearly those with five that make ten and clearly those that two that make four, clearly they matter. But does the one talented person matter? Remember, it is the master who clearly entrusted his servants with the talents. He intended for all of them to use all of the gifts that he gave them, if it was one or if it was five. And then if it was ten, to make it twenty. Do the talented make a difference? I say they do, 100%. Actually, I believe the real story for us here is that most of us, most of these amazing Gifts that God has given are giving him ones. <laughs> I think a lot of them are giving him ones. But what happens is that we don't celebrate the ones that make the difference in the ones. We, make the, we, we see an evangelist or somebody who's super great at sharing the gospel or someone who's an incredible speaker or teacher or something, and we're like, oh, that's really what God's looking for. Can I just interrupt this program? That's not. Yes, he wants to use those, but... I'm telling you who he wants to use. And you're sitting in one of these seats right now in this place, or you're watching this online from your couch or from your living room or whatever, from your kitchen table. You're, you're watching this right now. And you've got one talent. You know what God wants to do? He wants you to use that talent that he's given you. He wants you to use what he's given you. It seems to me that most followers of Jesus are probably one talent followers and. If we use what we've been given, if we are good stewards of what God has given us, 
then more can be done to impact the kingdom than we could ever possibly imagine. Just think about it. Most of the churches in America are less than 100 people. Matter of fact, it gets down to 75 or 80. It's not the 1,000, 5,000, 10,000, 50,000, 100,000. Yes, they make a difference. But it's those little community churches that make a difference all over the place. It's that individual at that school, at that college. It's that person who goes to work and is not silent about their faith. It's the person who starts the conversation at the restaurant with your waiter or your waitress. It's the person that's checking your stuff out for you at Dollar General when you go home in the evening. It's those people. It's the talk in the park. It's the conversation that starts because you go and cut up a tree for somebody. That's where that begins to be used. That is the emphasis of my favorite scripture in all the Bible. Ephesians chapter 3 verse 20 and 21. It's by His mighty power that He is able to do far greater than we could ever ask or even imagine by the power of his spirit so it comes by the lit torch the fuel that comes from there and the talent that is used so my question for you is are you prepared to use the talents that god has given you one more comment with this and i'm going to close this up for you if you've never checked this out i want to encourage you to do it sometime if you've got questions and you can't figure them out and you've looked and looked and looked in scripture and you can't find it go to a strange place called gotquestions.org I found this one comment there that deals with this passage. It says there's also a universal application to mankind. From the time of, uh, from the time of the creation of mankind, each individual has been entrusted with resources of time and material wealth. I'm going to also say they're also given lots of other talents that are uh, emotional helps and spiritual helps and everything else along that line. But he goes on, he says this, Everything we have comes from God and it belongs to him. We are responsible for using those resources that they increase in value so that they increase in values. And as Christians, we have additionally the most valuable resource of all, the very word of God. And if we believe and we understand him and we apply his word as good stewards, we are and we become blessings to others and the value of what we do multiplies we're accountable we're accountable to God for the way we use these resources and so I don't have a lot of feelings for you at this point but I do have some things I want you to think about and they're just questions and if you want to jot these down I hope that you will what has God given you what talent what talents has God given you because more than likely you know you're aware of, of one or two more than likely and if not, say, Lord, help me understand what this is. And the second one is this. If you know what it is, what are you doing with it? Because if you took it out in the yard and buried it, you're on a wrong path. Nothing's going to stay lit when you bury it. When you back up to the ten virgins, to the bridesmaids, are you ready for his return? Are you ready? And what will he say to you when, you do, when he does return? I'll tell you what I want to hear. Well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over some. I will give you privilege over many because you do it for my glory. 
Some of you are those bridesmaids that weren't ready. You see, because the groom is ultimately Jesus Christ. He marries the body, the bride of Christ. We each individuals make up that. If you know Jesus Christ, he says this, you had to do this. You had to repent of your sins and you had to trust him by grace through faith. Alone in Christ alone. If you haven't done that, Drew will be here. I'm going to be here. We want to help you do that today because today is that day. And if you've got talents that are literally on loan from God and you're holding them back or burying them or just not using them, I encourage you to get at this altar and say, Lord, I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. Help me use it right for your glory. And, and may it start like right now as I walk out of these doors in just a minute. I want you to stand to your feet across this room. Father, these are parables and they seem so simple, but when I start reading through these and I start realizing what you're telling us, they are heavy. We need you so bad. If we need to get our life straight with you, may we do it today and not hesitate for one second because today is the day of salvation. And if we need to get our talents that you have given us, that you have put on loan to us, and we need to put those to work today, God, that we would quit sitting on them and we would use them all for your glory. In the holy name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. If God's speaking to you, come right now.